So we're going to pick up into our seven-day shout series. I want to recap a little bit, not because hopefully it'll be boring, but because it's so important for where we're going. So if you were here for last week, I'm going to try to condense it like milk as much as I can. Condensed milk, just itty-bitty, get through it. But it's so important because if we miss this from last week and if we forget the recap from last week, we're not going to know where we're going coming up over these next few weeks. And there are obstacles that seem to stand in the way of the plan God has for us, right? You think in your life, you think in my life, it seems like there are things that are just too big. There are insurmountable things that you can't, I can't cross that. The valley is too wide. I can't go in this next direction because I don't know if that's what God has for me or not. And there's these walls. Oftentimes, these walls are hidden within these few short words called pride called anger, called control, sadness, selfishness, insecurity, and division. And that's what we're diving into over the next few weeks because it is time that each one of these walls come a-tumbling down in our lives by the power of Jesus Christ. So I want to recap from where we were last week. We're in the story of Jericho in Joshua chapter 6, and the Israelites were not prepared for that type of battle, right? They had just crossed over. The Jordan, and they sent spies in to um, see what the sea was like, and they met this lady named Rahab, and this lady named Rahab hid them and then secretly let them out of, of, of her house, and they were able to escape and come back to Joshua, who's leader of the Israelites, and say, hey, you know what, two things. One, we think we got this city. Two, they're all scared because they know we're coming and who God is with us. They're all afraid. And these walls of Jericho, so we can get it in our minds, maybe just again, even if we heard it last week, these walls of Jericho was two walls. And you had the bottom wall that was about 30 feet high, and then you had a 46-foot hill, and then you had another wall. And you, when you total all of that up, it's a 70-foot high wall, seven stories tall. And again, if you think about the buildings that are around in Melbourne, that's taller than almost anything. And Melbourne. And so next time you're, you're walking around downtown, just, you know, just imagine those walls of Jericho going up seven stories high. And they had just had the, the harvest that we read about in Joshua chapter 3. And, and Jericho was full of food and had natural springs and probably could have survived for years. Years of a siege. And the Israelites didn't have any type of siege equipment, right? All they could do is kind of circle the city and, and maybe hope that, you know, years would go by and maybe they'd just starve them out. But they didn't have that kind of time. They didn't have that kind of equipment. And we read a few observations about the story of Jericho because the, God told Joshua and Joshua told the Israelites to take, take the rear guard and the front guard of the army and put the Ark of the Covenant. And I want you guys, to, with seven priests and seven trumpets, to, to march around the city and don't say anything once a day. And do that for six days. And they marched around the city once a day for six days. And these seven priests with the seven trumpets blew these horns, right? And he said, on the seventh day, I want you to march around this city with the seven priests and the seven trumpets. I want you to march around the city seven times. And after you've done that, I want you to give a shout, and the walls will come down. We know the story, right, most of us? And the walls came a-tumbling down, right? Joshua fit that battle, and the walls came. Joshua actually didn't do anything, right? He just stood there and he marched, right? Okay, so, and, the, and the Israelites circled the city, and these walls came down, and they took the city. And one of the things that, you know, was at the end of that passage is there's kind of a curse put on Jericho and Rahab and her family, the people who had hid, um, the Israelite spies, had, had, her and her family were, were saved. And they said, don't take anything. 
Don't worry about taking anything. All that's in this city, you can just burn it, and everything else is left to the Lord. And we looked at a few observations from last week, a few key observations that, again, if we miss that, we're going to miss these walls coming down in our future. Our first observation from this story in Joshua is that when we trust in and when we move with God, you know, he can take a seven-story wall and an enemy that can last seven years and he can handle it in seven days. In other words, he can take what, what seems unlikely, what, what seems difficult or even impossible in your and my life, and he can handle it faster, he can handle it better, and he can handle it in improbable ways that you and I would have never dreamed up. Never dreamed up. I mean, who would have said, well, march around the city once a day, and then on the seventh day, march around seven times, and these walls are just going to naturally come down when you open your mouth. This is crazy speak, right? This doesn't make any sense logically, but it happened. And this is what Jesus did. These impossible things, like leading the blind to sight, right? Like leading the dead to new life. Like leading the lame to walk, the sick to be healed. From nothing to plenty, like feeding the 5,000, from a cross to a tomb to a resurrection. You see, our God is a pro at knocking down walls. That's what he does. Our second observation from the story last week. You do not have to have the right equipment. You just have to be willing to march. And for us, this, this means you don't have to have your, your life put together. You don't have to be all figured out and like, okay, now i got everything in order. My finances are in order. My family's in order. My house is in order. Now I can take that new job. It's not going to be like that because these walls have to come down. And you don't have to have your whole life put together in order for God to put down, knock down those walls. The Israelites didn't have any siege equipment. They didn't have a lot of time. These soldiers were virtually brand new. They were inexperienced. They didn't have all the right equipment, but they just had to be willing to march. And that's where you and I have to be today. As as we go through this series, being ready to to march around the walls of Jericho in our lives. Well, I have walls. Yeah, you do. They're called pride and anger and selfishness and control and insecurity and division. These walls exist in our lives and in our hearts. And if we really want to see God do some amazing things, imagine what it would look like if you and I march around these problems, these walls, day in and day out for six days, and then we come back again together, like Ben had us do in that song, and we what? Shout. Hey! There it is. Our third observation from the story last week, we show up one day a week usually, right, on Sunday mornings, and we desire to have God make walls fall down in our lives when we haven't marched around this problem for six days like we should have. And this is why this series is called Seven Days Shout, right? Because together we are going to march around those walls of pride, of anger, of control, of sadness, of selfishness, of insecurity and division. And we're going to come back together every Sunday. Every seven days, we're going to raise a shout of praise. We're going to raise a shout of release if we have to. With all we have. And you know what? We're going to, when we do that, we're going to watch God take walls down in our lives. It's going to happen. It's not because of me. It's not because of you. It's because of him. That's what he does. Our God is a pro at knocking down walls. But before we're getting ready to face this first wall in our series, this wall of pride, we've got to get one thing crystal clear. And you may have noticed, hey, there's a little wooden board over there. There's a little wooden board, and and it says seven-day shout on it, and it's got the the things we're going to go through. That's cool. Hashtag walls come down. It's at the bottom. You probably can't see it. 
But there's one thing we have to get crystal clear in our lives. Y'all see this wall, right? We're going to need a little demonstration. Might need a little leg room. A little leg room. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. So a lot of us, we bump up against the problems in our life, right? These pride, this anger, this control, this sadness. And we're like, ah, why can't? Why can't I get this wall to come down? Why can't I tackle the pride in my life? Why can't I deal with the anger in my life? Why can't I let go of the control in my life and the sadness in my life? Why do I continue to be selfish again and again and again? And we start asking questions. Like, is, even, is God even out there? Because I, I can't get through to the other side. You see, there's a city on the inside, right? Jericho. And, and maybe that's the quote-unquote promised land, and that's where I want to get to, but I can't get through this. And we keep bumping up against this again and again in our lives. And it's not going to fall over. You know why? Because we're not on the right side of the wall. You know who is? And when you're on the right side of the wall, you don't have to bang up against it. It's just going to go. No one got hurt. Yay. Does that make sense? You see, God is on the right side of the wall. And if we want these problems to really come down in our life, it's not going to be by our own power. It's going to be by His power. And He's going to be the one to knock down the wall. We have to be the one to circle the city. Are you with me in that? Does that make sense? This is just going to hang out here for a couple of weeks. I'll just prop it over here. Hashtag walls come down. And if we miss that point, we're going to miss the whole rest of this series because we're going to think that we can do that. We can take down pride. Sure, we can take down anger. We can take down control. And you see what this becomes? Me, 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 me. I can do this. I can do this. You know what the first Sunday we're talking about today is? It's pride. Because if we don't get this one right, none of the rest makes sense. We need to be on the right side of the wall and let God... Take the walls down. So about pride, our first one this morning. There's an anonymous quote which reads, Pride is the only disease that makes everyone sick but the one who has it. It's good, right? Pride is the only disease that makes everyone sick but the one who has it. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2, and you don't have to turn there. I'm going to be moving pretty fast. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 16, 18 reads, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 29, verse 23 says, One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. So I want you to have that in mind as we turn to our scripture for this morning. Joshua chapter 7. I'm going to pick up where we left off last week. Joshua chapter 7. And again, hopefully the recap has been good enough to make sense for us to where we're going. Verse 1, But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of those devoted things. Remember, that was a no-no, right? And the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. This sounds like a repeat, right? 
from before, go out and spy out Jericho. We're going to do this thing again. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. In other words, we got this. We just taken out Jericho, and they had walls. This is a little itty-bitty sediment called Ai. It's only two vowels. Come on. And, then, you know, and we, we can take this. We, we can handle that. Let's not even waste the entire army. Let's just send a couple of dudes so that everyone else can still stay out and chill here around Jericho. Verse 4, so about 3,000 men went up there from the people, and they, one, no, they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? <laughs> one itty-bitty victory, right? And then one, quote-unquote, huge loss. Why do you bring us out at all and give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would that we have been content to dwell beyond the Jordan, sounds like when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt, right? Oh, that we weren't slaves. Like, what? What are you talking about? Verse 8, Oh, Lord, what can I say when Israel turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us. They're going to cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? The Lord said to Joshua, Get up! Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. Ooh, I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things among you. Get up, consecrate the people and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, there are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. And that's where we're going to stop today. You see, there are devoted things in our lives, all right? And we might not treasure them, we might not honor them, but they exist. And for some of us, we are devoted to these things. They're on this board over here. Some of us are devoted to a lifestyle of, of angriness, a lifestyle of having the things in control. Some of us are devoted to just feeling sad and mopey, boo-hoo all the time. Some of us are devoted to being selfish-minded. And the list just goes on. These are some devoted things that for you and me, we've got to let God knock these walls down in our life because we're not going to have the relationship with Him that we could have when these things are in the way, right? When there's a wall there. few things we're going to learn from this passage. A few more observations. Number one, pride kills. Pride kills. Literally, pride kills. There's a general in the Civil War, his name was John Sedgwick, and he was a Union general, and it was at the Battle of the Wilderness in May of 1864. And they had these little kind of earthworks built out, these little high points and low points and everything, because, you know, all they do in the Civil War is just stand there and shoot at each other and hope you don't die. It was kind of really interesting warfare. And so they had these little kind of earthworks built out. And, and, and John, John Sedgwick, he, he's standing up there and he wants to look over the, the battlefield. 
and, and his advisors and his, and his commanders say, that General, that's probably not a good idea. He's like, oh, nonsense. Those Confederates, they couldn't hit an elephant at this distance. Could not even get the word distance out of his mouth before he was mortally wounded. They couldn't hit an elephant at this distance. Boom. Goodbye, General John Sedgwick. Right? Pride kills. The Israelites lost men when they attacked Ai, right? They didn't win. They lost. And they were prideful. And it ultimately comes down to one man's family's sin, taking the things he shouldn't have, those devoted things, and then they all get killed, right? There is a cost for being prideful. And it's honestly one, it's one you don't want to have to pay. You see, pride will kill your marriages. Pride will kill your friendships. Pride will kill your integrity and kill your character. Pride can kill your relationship with God. We'll talk about that why in a minute. You see, Israel thought, we got this. But what we learned from this story is they didn't. They didn't. And have you ever been in a place where you thought, yeah, I've got this. I've got this. And you came to find out you really didn't have this. Anyone think of a moment in your life? You don't have to share it. No, that's not this forum. But, you know, you can, you can think about that in your brain. Like, yeah, there was that one time. In 1991, golf legend Arnold Palmer, creator of wonderful tea blends, recalled this. He said, It was the final hole of the 1961 Masters Tournament, and I had a one-stroke lead, and I had just hit a very satisfying tee shot. I felt I was in pretty good shape. As I approached my ball, I saw an old friend standing at the edge of the gallery. So he, he motioned me over, he stuck out his hand, and he said, Congratulations. I took his hand, and I shook it. But as soon as I did, I knew I had lost my focus. On my next two shots, I hit the ball into a sand trap, then put it over the edge of the green. I missed a putt, and I lost the Masters. You don't forget a mistake like that. You just learn from it and become determined that you will never do that again. I haven't in the 30 years since he closes. Pride kills. Pride kills. Second thing we can learn from this story this morning. Becoming prideful can happen faster than you and I think. Becoming prideful can happen faster than we think. You see, we get to this place where we think that pride takes a long time to build up, right? Pride takes a long time to accumulate. Well, years and years of accomplishments or studies, and years and years of success in business. I mean, you're prideful, right? We, we think that for some reason, pride takes a long time to accumulate, and we're going to be 100% wrong, 100% wrong when we think that. You see, all it takes is one victory, one thing to go our way, one thing to come down, and we can forget who the credit goes to. That's all it took for the Israelites, right? One victory. One Jericho down, and the, and, and the next time they're like, we got this. We're going to go by our own plan. So we're following the same thing before, but what they didn't listen from God and follow what he said to do. They're like, okay, well, that's the pattern. Thanks, God. Cool. That was the Jericho way. I'm going to do this for all the... Hey, what? What's the next city? AI? What? I'm sorry. That's only, that's only two vowels. Oh, okay, AI. So we're going to go attack AI. And so let's just forget... God, thank you for that, but we're going to move forward. Uh, so what do we do? We send out spies? Check. Okay. Um, they come back. Good report? Check. Okay. Um, you know, it's a small army, so maybe we'll just not send everybody, and maybe we'll just send two or 3,000 people so the rest of us can just kind of chill and cook out and barbecue and hang out, and these, and these two or 3,000 guys go, and we'll have ourselves another city. Woo! 
It didn't work that way. All it takes is one victory, one moment for us to just think, I've got this. When we don't give credit to God. Next thing. Israel thought the walls, they got to this place where Israel thought the walls came down because they were Israel. But the walls came down because God is God. Israel thought the walls came down because they were Israel. But the walls came down because God is God. See, they walked in, they're like, oh, they've been, they've been hearing about us. I'm puffing my chest a little bit. They've, they're scared of us. Yeah, you should be scared of us. Check it. I've got soldiers and armies. Yeah, you should be scared of us. But they don't go into the next battle with God. And they lose, right? And you and I can be in that same place, right? We can think these walls come down our lives. Say, look what I did. It's like that little guy again, Stuart, from Mad TV, right? Look what I can do. You know? And yeah, thank you. We're not video recording. So, you see, this wall is a huge one for us, pride, because we've all been in a place where we think of our accomplishments, of our accolades, of our successes, and we think, well, yeah, I did that. Look at me. I did that, like the moment in Castaway. I made fire. You know, he's walking around the fire, right? We think, I did that. But you know what? There is not a single situation in our lives, not one in which God did not create, God did not provide, God did not orchestrate, use for good, or if nothing else, give us the gifts, the time, the ability, the resources, or the talents to be able to achieve that thing. You see, everything should point to him, not to us. Pride says, I am the answer, Right? Or I have the answers. Pride says, I've got this, thank you God, or anybody else, no help required. Pride says, I'm better than you, I'm better than the plan, and I'm better than the alternative. Pride says, I'm better at my job than you are. Better at my talents than you are. Pride says, I'm the better parent in the marriage. Pride says, I'm good enough to make it on my own, I am smarter, I've had more schooling, I've read more books about the Bible than you have. And you know what? There are marriages and relationships that have never been able to get to what they could be because they misinterpreted the vows they said that day ago or however long ago. I take myself for better and she's worse. We've, we've twisted and contorted that all around and pride can, can, again, kill those things, ruin our relationships and maim our marriages. And ultimately, we get to this point where after all is said and done, after all these phrases about what pride says and what pride is, ultimately we boil it down to this one concept. Pride ultimately says, I don't need God. When you strip all the way, all the worldly things and all the ways we can look at it, when you get down to the root, to the core of the issue, pride ultimately says, I don't need God. Y'all, for every wall and side of this wall we're looking at, we're looking at these things, right? There's another side right? There's the way God is looking at this same wall, right? It's the inverse. It's the opposite. It's the different perspective. And it's the side we can't always see. So when we look at pride, do you know what God sees as the solution to that? It's this little H word called humility. Humility. First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. He's talking to the elders and to the young people in the church. All right, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, 
as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, all of you, old and young, with humility. There's that H word, toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Colossians 3.12, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, here's that H word again, right? Humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Finally, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4 says, The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches, and honor, and life. I'll read that again. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches, and honor, and life. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be dead in my pride. I want to humbly have life. You know, every Sunday during this series, we're going to offer a time for you to come forward and pray with our elders and leaders and staff as we together watch God knock down these walls in our lives. So I'll put this out there because of this first Sunday. Don't be too proud. Don't be too proud to come forward or sit in your seat or pray with the person next to you. Don't be too proud, right? No one's going to look at you weird. No one's going to think, man, they must have a pride issue. Because then what does that make us, right? So don't be that guy. This is a chance to simply come pray with someone and watch these walls come down by God's power, not by our own. Remember, we've got to remember what side of the wall we are on. See, pride again ultimately says, I don't need God. So what side of the wall are you on this morning? We invite our band up and our elders up. We're going to close in a couple of songs. And at any time during those couple of songs, if you just want to come forward, it doesn't have to be about pride, the wall that has to come down, but if, if there's anything else that God has just laid on your heart that you just need to give up, that God is going to do within your life through this series and through these songs, again, I just invite you to come forward. Don't be too proud, because that's not what it's about. It's about you. It's about Jesus and the relationship that exists between so you guys are going to be welcome to, to come up whenever you'd like to pray with these people, to share with these people. You're welcome to sing, to stand, to sit, to kneel and be with God and prayfully, prayerfully ask Him what walls need to come down in your life. Maybe it is the wall of pride for you today. Because 
maybe through this series like I did and through preparing this sermon, you know, I'm like, well, maybe pride's not my wall. Well, guess what? After writing this sermon, I'm like, man, I get some pride issues. Probably so do you. Maybe it's time to let those walls come down in Jesus' name.